The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It is Thursday, June 3rd. It seems weird to say June, um, but here we are. We're saying it. So, all right, done. We got it. Uh, if you have a financial question, this is the program for you. Uh, we are your your trainer coaches, Jill and Mark, and we would love to help guide you on your journey for financial freedom, whatever that is. Mark, we have still yet to come up with a new acronym that can replace the FIRE movement. Okay. So um, I, and Mark says that we have a, an email today that um, we'll touch on that, but we got to get this. We got to think of something clever. Oh, here's some more interesting stuff. You want a little bit more of Mark? You know how we had Mark on? What do we have you on for? We had you on for, um, was it my 500th radio show? Yeah, we did the one-year anniversary for the pandemic. We had you on for the 500th episode of the radio show also on the radio show. Hey, guess what? New podcast coming out. New one, brand new. Do you want to hear more of Mark's voice? Well, guess what? He's going to be on this new podcast with me, his voice. It's called the Eye on Money podcast. How about that? From CBS Audio. So check it out. Just search for Eye on Money. And uh, if it's not there, it'll be there any minute. Eye on Money podcast. With me, Jill, and Mark, too. All right, let's do uh, some of your emails, right? Don't forget, we're always here. Ask Jill at jillonmoney.com. Brandon writes, hello, Jill. I love the show. See, Mark, if you could read that, it would sound better than me saying that about my own show. If you say it about our show, it sounds better. Okay, here's the situation. Brandon says, my fiance and I are getting married in October. We want to start building more of our lives together. We've been talking about buying a home. Oh, boy. (laughs) We live in Denver. The housing market is crazy. We rent and they pay two grand a month. Most of the homes we're interested in list for between five and six hundred thousand dollars. Oh, my God. And then they sell for a hundred grand over their listing price. Oh, terrible. He makes 120. Fiance makes 110. He's 33. She's 29. They've got $90,000 saved that would be used for the house and the wedding. Needless to say, 
Most of this would be swallowed up by the down payment and the cost of the wedding, which were budgeted to come in at $30,000. they have got $200,000 in retirement accounts, $120,000 in 401k, $50,000 in Roth, $30,000 in traditional. We're looking to start a family and stay in the same place for five to seven years. Our biggest fear, getting locked into a house at the peak of the market, only to then have difficulty offloading it in the future for what we paid for it. So rent or buy? Thank you. Mark, would you like to weigh in on this? I'm renting. Mark and I are renting all day long. Yeah, rent. Your rent isn't bad. I mean, you're in a a pretty explosive market. And what's fascinating to me is that you can rent for two grand a month and your actual the, to buy something you want, you got to pay five, six, and maybe even 700,000. Forget about it. Keep renting. Keep renting. Don't do anything. Rent. You know, and, and you're going to be careful about not spending too much on that wedding, right? Please. Okay, good. All right. Rich writes, hi, Jill. Love your podcast. Quick question. I just want to know, should I be contributing to the Roth or the traditional TSP account? I'm a government employee. I have about $100,000 in my thrift savings plan, and I have about $15,000 in liquid savings. I have some debt, student loan that I co-signed for my kid and credit card debt that I consolidated to pay off all the other loans. Eighteen, Oh my God, 18,000 in student loans, 58,000 in the consumer debt, the consolidated. Oh no, 14 grand on my car. I just sold my house. I want to try hard to build the liquid savings by paying off my loans. I'm divorced and altogether my income um, with retirement is about $120,000 a year. Help, give it to me straight. I've got tough skin. Laugh out loud, Rich. Well, first of all, you just have got to get rid of this debt. When you said you just sold your house, where is the money from that house? Where is that? I mean, do you have a lump sum that can be used to pay off some of this debt? So what you need to do right now is you need to track that money and start making sure that a good chunk of your money goes to paying down that credit card debt. Get that done. And where's your kid with a co-signing of your kids' loans? The kid can take those loans back and pay them off. 18 grand is your kids. I don't know if you're retired already or you're about, you know, because you say I'm divorced and altogether my income with my government retirement is 120 grand a year. I I think he's working for the government and also receiving retirement income. That's what I'm reading into it. So it looks to me like you're still working. You're a government employee. You are going to have a retirement. Uh, You're going to have a pension is my guess. My number one concern is this credit card debt. Even if you could pull back your thrift savings contribution to like 5% or 6% and then put every other available dollar and put it down first on that credit card debt, put that student loan back in your kid's lap and pay down the credit card debt, the consolidated debt and the car loan. Now, If for some reason you forgot to tell us that after selling your house, you have some lump sum of money, use that money to pay off the debt. Debbie writes, would it make sense to take Social Security at 62 and invest for inheritance or to help adult child? All right, here's the details. She and the husband are collecting pensions. He's 63. She'll be 62 later this year. He's collecting two state pensions from two different states. Oh, my God and a military pension, total gross monthly of 4100 She gets a state pension 
of $3,600. They, in pension income, have $7,700 a month with no cost of living adjustment. Healthcare is covered through, through this. They only pay a couple hundred bucks a month. If she were to take Social Security this year, I'm sorry, if he were to take Social Security this year, he would get about 1800 They both get about 1800 each. They've got 290000 in traditional IRAs, 350 in Roths, 200 in bonds, CDs, and cash. They have another fifty five grand in cash. House is paid off. It's worth three twenty five. One car loan, 300 bucks a month, no other debt. I have a chronic health problem. And even though it may not shorten my lifespan, I'm not certain. We have one child who's launched but does not make a lot of money. We have two young grandchildren. Since our pensions cover our monthly expenses, I was wondering if it makes more sense to take Social Security now and invest or help our adult child. Obviously, if we wait, Social Security will be significantly more. But if we don't live long enough to exceed the break-even point, it's lost money. I should mention that all of our pensions have 50% survivor benefit. So even if one dies, the other should be able to live off the combined benefits. We currently spend about $6,800 a month to cover expenses. We have no difficulty living off our pensions, not an extravagant lifestyle. Also, does a Roth conversion make sense at this point? Mm, No, I wouldn't do a Roth conversion right now. Let's think about this for a second. I mean, the health issue, the only reason we tell people to claim early, well, two reasons. One is you claim early and you get that 25% reduction for the rest of your life if you really need the money. That's the main reason people claim early. The second reason they claim early is that there's a health issue. And you said, so I just want to read this again. I have a chronic health problem, even though it may not shorten my lifespan, I'm not certain. I think that I'm generally leaning towards waiting till at least your husband and you should probably both wait till your full retirement age. I don't know what it is. If you were to take Social Security at 62, of course, you get that reduced benefit. Maybe he shouldn't. Maybe he should go. Maybe one of you can take it, not the other one. Maybe we do that. Maybe we say that you take your your Social Security at 62 because your life expectancy may be lower and he waits till his full retirement age and then you can help out your kids. You can probably help out your kids anyway because you have a lot of money. I'm sorry, your one child and the two young grandchildren. I guess that the other piece of this is like, what, is, what does this kid really need? What do the grandchildren need? And have like a real conversation about this would make sense to me. You sound like you're in great shape. I don't think you need to do a Roth, but I do think it's important that if you're going to help this uh, adult child, that you have a real conversation about the way to make it work out better for him or her. I mean, in other words, how are we going to get them to the best possible place without enabling? This is from friend of the pod, Dave, who we love. Hi, Jill and Mark. Hope this finds you well. Here's a question for the show. We're long-term investors. And as you advocate, we're keeping it simple and have retirement assets in low-cost index funds at Vanguard. Plan is to just adjust allocations as we age. You know, gradually have more bonds, less stocks over time. Two questions. One, it seems like the prevailing advice for bond funds points to holding one broad index fund, like Vanguard's total bond market index. However, I've also seen advice to invest some portion of your bond portfolio with an international bond fund index. Uh, Is there any benefit to the average American investor considering an international bond fund or better to just stick with the U.S. fund? And here's number two. There also seems to be advice that including a REIT index fund, like the Vanguard REIT index fund, uh, might be wise for some 
as in instead of a simple 60% stocks and 40 bonds, maybe 50, 55% stocks, 40 bonds, 5 to 10% REIT. What's your advice for the average investor? Open to any broad suggestions, advice you have on funds to consider for lazy portfolios of two to four low-cost index funds. Thank you in advance for considering the questions. Okay. I, I tell you what, I like an international bond fund. And the reason why I like that is that it gives you a little hedge against currency risk. I'm not saying a ton, but of the total bond position to have 5% in an international bond fund, I think that's fine. In terms of a REIT, I also like having a REIT, maybe even a commodity index. So if you're looking at REIT plus commodity, I would have no more than 10% total in that. And um, you might even throw into that 10% maximum mix uh, crypto. So REIT, commodity, crypto together, no more than 10%. Other funds that people tend to not actually think about, because often if you are a Vanguard kind of person, you might say, oh, I'm just in the Vanguard extended market index. I, I would always like an international stock fund also and a uh, US small cap fund. Those are the other couple of funds that you might want to consider. Marshall says, subject, new acronym. On today's show, while speaking with your guest, Michael, Jill mentioned the need for a different acronym than FIRE, not caring for the retiring early portion. I've often used FINE in conversation with those who start with FIRE. Don't retire so early, but be financially independent and think about the next endeavor. <gasps> Mark, we found, this is it. Marshall, I'm going to put this down, FINE. Financial independence, next endeavor. And I have to make sure that Marshall, you get credit for it. What do you think? You like it, Mark? <laughs> he says, fine. Marshall, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. And thanks, everyone. Uh, you're listening so closely. It's active listening. I love it. Thanks for listening to the program. Uh, we re remind everyone that if you want to come on the program live with us, we'd love it. We would totally love it. All you need to do is send us an email, ask Jill at jillonmoney.com. Go to our website called jillonmoney.com. We've got a contact button. Don't forget to subscribe or follow our new podcast, which is called the Eye on Money podcast. You can find it wherever you get podcasts, which is fantastic. Um, did I forget to say that our music is composed by Joel Goodman, that Mark Talercio is our executive producer, that we are distributed by Cadence 13. All of that being said, try to lift someone up today. It will make them feel better. It will make you feel better. Grit, growth, grace, a little gratitude. We'll talk to you tomorrow.